Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with Ben Houghton. Ben, welcome. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. I've listened so many times. I can't believe I'm on the other side of it. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here and to let everyone in on your journey over the last few years, because it's been such an honor to get to watch you inside Power Partners. And so I want to talk a little bit about how that program has supported your growth, but also your leadership and just like other places you've found resources and what the last years have been like for you. Yeah. And where should we begin? It <laughs> has been... tell everyone a little bit about you and your organization and what initially inspired you to join Power Partners? <laughs> Absolutely. So I am a co-founder and executive director of Broadway for Arts Education, and we work with the Broadway community and underserved schools all around the world who wouldn't otherwise have access to arts education. Um, and we provide year-long residencies in dance, music, theater, poetry, podcasting, whatever the school community needs, with the end result of these young people developing better relationships with themselves. They may end up on Broadway. That's great. That's none of our business. We just hope that they walk away having better relationships with themselves. Mm -hmm. And I stumbled across Power Partners a little over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, I think just really in a place where I was uh, second guessing everything and just feeling, yeah, a lot of imposter syndrome proud of the programs that we were doing, proud of my employees, proud of all the work that we were doing, but not able to own that in an actionable way that really showed up in change in how our organization ran and how funded it was and how other people saw it. I came up, I think, very much in scarcity mm -hmm. and found Power Partners in scarcity. I was scrolling Facebook, I think, and it was and mm. your face popped up and it said, webinar starting in 30 minutes. Are you a frazzled executive <laughs> director? Are you at the end of your rope? And I was like, okay, this is for me. And I and by the end of it, I was like, okay, I want to join Power Partners. And if this woman in 30 minutes maybe want to buy whatever she was selling, I want to learn how she did that. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, okay, it worked on me. So clearly there's something there. Let me see what, what else is in there. Um, and then it's just been like so many breaths of fresh air. There's so much ick around fundraising mm. that doesn't need to be there. And yeah, it's just been like, yeah, breath of fresh air after breath of fresh air after breath of fresh air on how to do this in a way that is generative and makes you feel like you can do it more and more and more and more instead of mm. getting to the end of the fiscal year being like, oh my God, yay, we did it. And then be like, oh my God, <laughs> now we have another fiscal year. I have to do this all again. Instead of now, it's like, I cannot wait to fundraise. I cannot wait to set stretch goals. I cannot wait to, to call people and ask them for money. Instead of, I will do anything to avoid this. <laughs> Did you believe this was even possible about fundraising? No, not at all. Not at all, not at all. And I think what's so exciting about running a nonprofit, and especially coming from a an educator's background and a performer's background and not a nonprofit management background, is every year I look back 12 months and I say, wow, I'm doing things 100% differently than I was 12 months prior. Um, and I think I, I love to learn. Mm. I'm such a sponge and I love to learn. Um, and I think that's what's so exciting is, yeah, every 12 months that goes by, I'm like, I'm doing things 100% different and it keeps happening. It's so consistent mm. that now I'm super excited for what it's going to look like a year in the future and a year in the future and a year in the future. 
on what new techniques and, and tips I learned on how to not only raise money, but manage a team mm-hmm. and one that I can be proud of and steward a mission that I can be proud of. I love that. And I, you made me remember that email you sent me at the beginning of the year where you were like, for the first time ever, I'm excited for the beginning of a calendar year. And I feel hopeful about fundraising instead of, oh my God, January 1st is the worst day. And it was so nice to hear that because I remember that clock resetting on January 1 and just like the dread and the overwhelm and all those things. I loved hearing that. And I remember, so you sent me an email. I don't know if you even remember this, but you sent me an email maybe two days after you had joined Power Partners, I think because a link was broken or something inside Power Partners and you couldn't find something. And so you reached out to me to find the link. But at the beginning, you said in two days or in one day, I've started to replace the word ask with opportunity. And I've started to notice a shift in funders and in my staff members. And so that's the Power Partners mantra, right? Is that great fundraising is not an ask, it's an offer. And The formula is really built around how do you make that offer, but even it sounds like that language shift for you immediately was so powerful. So can you just talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think there was just like some fundamental foundational beliefs around what it meant to be a, to be a fundraiser um, that, yeah, just, it was that quickly. It was watching one video that especially the seven energy levels have completely stuck with me the cognitive behavior loop that is that are not these not these concepts that you need to study years and years and years they're things that just immediately for me where i was sw- turned on a light switch and was like i'm excited to apply this in every aspect of what i'm doing mm-hmm. and see how it shifts and i think it is universal it wasn't just me in that moment because i never shut up about it i'm always telling people about it and i see those light switches turn on in their heads too. And whatever they're doing in their life, if they're a fundraiser or not, what you have to offer is exciting to somebody. And you're not just walking around this world waiting for people to find you and to give you what you need. You're walking around with all those tools yourself and waiting to find those power partners, those people who are looking for what you have to give. And it's so much of a less exhausting way and it's so much of a more empowering way to go about your everyday life. I think everyone, regardless of if they're a fundraiser or not, really resonates with that concept. Yeah, it's something that I use in every element of my life. It's something I made my husband take the assessment. It's an ongoing conversation in our relationship. I think about it in motherhood. I think about it really in every area of my life. It's an incredible sort of framework that I got from my certification through an organization called IPEC. And then it's been really cool to apply that particularly to fundraising. So I want folks who are listening to this, like there were no questions given to Ben in advance. I told him before (laughs) we clicked record, I really want you to be honest and open, share what has been great, but also where challenges still live. So tell us, you're speaking very optimistically about fundraising. And I know you have some exciting numbers to share in terms of the growth of your organization over the last few years, but what remains something that feels hard about fundraising or what's the piece you're still working through right now? Always saying no when it's a real no. And I still am stuck in this from a performing arts perspective in this incredible scarcity mindset where, Mm -hmm. yeah, if I don't say no now, it could be the last thing that ever comes across. And as much as I, I study the abundance mindset and I preach the abundance mindset and I share the abundance mindset, 
when it comes into practice, I'm not always yeah using the abundance mindset. Definitely using it a lot more uh, than I have, but knowing when you need to prune your flower, <laughs> your beautiful organizational bush, um, knowing, yes, to let stuff go so that new stuff can grow is always, yeah, is a constant fear. Something that I'm getting better at, but days will go by where I'm like, oop, I did not say no when I needed to say no in that moment. Yeah, that's such a good reflection. And I experienced that a lot too. I think the thing I'm always thinking about is everything in our society is consistently reinforcing scarcity mindset. So it's, we need to have those moments of abundance mindset or our asset-based approach and things like that when we're walking into that funder meeting, when we're searching for funders, but to think we're never going to feel scarcity again or get wrapped up in the culture that's around us is, is impossible. And so I really like the way that you talk about it as a practice and a growth edge. And, and I agree, I'm also working on the, somebody on the podcast called it an automatic yes and not giving an automatic yes. And I think especially for organizations where certain yeses have gotten them to the point that they're at now, it's really hard then to realize that saying no is actually what's going to get you to that next level up because you're like saying yes before got me here. And so my guess is that's something that you deal with too, especially as your organization has been growing so much. Yeah. And a constructive no. I feel like there's a no and there's a constructive no. And maybe I've gotten good at saying no, but it's maybe been a destructive no. But saying, hey, here's why it's a no. And it's great for you. And it's great for me that we're not in, we're not going down this path together. Mm-hmm. And finding the language. I feel that with the struggles I find as a manager as well, holding folks accountable and not just saying you didn't do it right. Here's the task. You didn't do it right. And finding ways to constructively provide that negative feedback, a constructive no, a constructive, mm-hmm. hey, this needs to be better is always hard. Because I think, yeah, I want to go to that level two moment when I'm dealing with the no's mm-hmm. and with the feedback. Um, and I, yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity for growth to figure out how to get those into a more five, six, seven area. I love that. I love having you apply the framework while we're on this call. (laughs) So will you give everyone the numbers? I've been talking about how you guys have been growing over the last year, but when you started Inside Power Partners, you were a $200,000 organization. Tell us about where you're at right now. Yeah, this year we're on track to raising a million dollars. And I wouldn't be surprised if we even hit 1.1 or 1.2. It really is. It was scary to say that out loud even two months ago. And I'm just saying it out loud more and telling people, hey, I run a seven-figure nonprofit organization. And yeah, it's really exciting to own that and to realize that number is, it's not scary. It just, it is what it is. And after seven figures, eight, then it's eight figures. And just continuing to, I feel like what I've heard you say is, when you managed an organization, how you managed it below a million dollars or how you got it to a million mm-hmm. was very different than how you got it from a million to three million. Um, so I'm excited to see what those, <laughs> as I uncover what those new challenges are and those mm-hmm. new techniques are that I develop. But yeah, I'm really proud of myself and I'm not apologizing for that at all. I'm really proud of myself. Good. You should be. And it's such a huge accomplishment and such a testament to your leadership and your ability to put yourself out there and to be trying new things. And so much of that 
million to 3 million, or what I've said when I've talked about that is very similar actually to what we were talking about with the no's versus yeses, right? Certain yeses get an organization to a million dollars, but at a certain point, there's only 24 hours in a day. And so you really have to do things differently once you get to certain levels and strategy, strategy changes at scale. And, but I'm so excited to watch you grow into this next version. And you said something that really struck me because I feel like sometimes, and this is unspoken, I think, in fundraising in the nonprofit sector, but I think sometimes there's a lot of fear around fundraising more because then fundraisers are like, then I have to maintain it. If I fundraise a million dollars a year, then I'm going to have to fundraise a million dollars every year. And like the dread of that, I think holds a lot of people back from taking actions today that are going to help them raise more. But it doesn't sound like you're living with that. And so is that because of how you're feeling about fundraising these days? Is it because you are feeling like there's an abundance of resources out there? Talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a less of a, I have to fundraise a million dollars and it's more of, I can, I have this ability. I can fundraise a million dollars. And now that I know I can do that, what's next? Um, so it's, yeah, it's like a skill set unlocked instead of I somehow accidentally <laughs> raised a million dollars. Can I do it again? It's like, I don't, I feel like maybe, yes, that's why I dreaded the start of the calendar year, the start of the fiscal year mm -hmm. is because I'm like, I don't know how I did that last year. How am I going to do that again? And I don't feel that way anymore at this level. Yes, I have the skill set to raise a million dollars. I can do it again next year. And my skills are only going to get better. So I'm going to probably raise more money. Oh my God. Okay. I love that. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to myself say that in the dark moments. I'm glad this is recorded. I'll come back to it. You can say that over and over again, but I'm glad you said that too, because that's true. Like we can hold these underlying beliefs. We can shift our beliefs to be more confident and to believe in ourselves. It doesn't mean we never have thoughts that don't infiltrate us that tell us something different. And so having tools and strategies, whether it's listening to yourself say it, or I've post-its all over my house, I write and whitewash markers on my mirrors, like whatever it is to remind yourself of that underlying belief that you really do have in yourself is such a good habit and such a good strategy. Okay, before we get too far away and we lose track of the fact that you just told us that you are about to move your organization from 200,000 to 1 million or more. Can we just go back and double click on that for one second? And can you tell everybody on here how you did it? Like, give us a little bit of an inside scoop. You started Inside Power Partners at $200,000. This year, you're going to pass that million dollar mark. Which verticals inside your organization did you grow? How did you grow them? What were some things that really changed inside your fundraising? The first thing that comes to mind is, I don't know, because I'm always looking at the future and I don't take as much time as I probably should to reflect on how we got here in the first place. But when I think about it, I think it all goes back to the relationship building and what I do in between gifts. And I think the biggest growth that we've seen is with our earned revenue, with the relationships that we have with the Department of Education and with principals at the schools that we work with, being able to build trust with them that the discretionary funds that they do have at their disposal are best used to bring us into their school. We started off with a very level four mindset of how can we help? How can we come into your school? We have this product, we have the service, we wanna come in there and really shifted my mindset from this is a valuable service that we provide 
and you as a school have funding set aside to achieve these various goals, and we are deserving of those funds. We're the best use of those funds. I think I got just more confident in our ability to deliver. I got more confident in how good our work was, how good our team is, and the impact. I really felt like I could stand behind the impact and I wasn't just blowing smoke. And that allowed me to go into those conversations and really demanding my value. And yeah, the biggest growth that we've seen is definitely in that foundational relationships. But the same thing goes for governments. I think we are entering our sixth fiscal year. And I think organizations like the National Endowment for the Arts and the New York State Council for the Arts and the Department of Cultural Affairs have seen that we have built something sustainable and that we've built strong relationships and we're not going away anytime soon. So they feel more comfortable investing more and more in our work. And then with individuals, that grows not quite as fast as the foundational and government every year, but every year there is some, a couple major donors who come across our radar and really see, yeah, really see what the work that we've done. I'm pausing because I'm realizing, no, we did have actually really huge growth in individual giving recently. And I think it's because we have found ways to work within communities of wealth and again, have that level five relationship where you supporting our programming is not just an act of giving. You're also receiving a lot when you do it. You're receiving services and you're showing, you're teaching your children that they can be a part of this as well. And so I think, yeah, it's it was less of the, our email language and our, and X, Y, and Z trying to get those, our social media, trying to get those individual donors up and more being really strategic and targeting these communities who have more of a capacity to give. We've always thrown really amazing events since the beginning. That's how we started. We worked with the Broadway community and through these top-notch fundraising events. But at the beginning, the people in the audience were our friends who were like, oh, I'll give you $25 and I'll have to skip my next meal. And so we didn't raise a lot of money from those events, even though they were exceptional events. And I think we spent a lot of time figuring out how do we get people in the audience who really are going to be able to make a, a huge difference and who, when they hear our message didn't change, but when they hear it, they can really step up to the plate and make a huge difference. So I think that is, yes, we've grown foundationally, governmentally, individually. Corporate is still a big opportunity for growth that I'm excited to continue to try using methods from Power Partners, getting more and more no's, which is a good thing because it means I'm reaching out more and more and also not wasting my time on reaching out to the wrong people. So I'm excited to see how that one grows in the future as well. Okay. I love hearing that and a little bit more of the nitty gritty behind it. And I also love that as you start to think about it more, you start to realize that there were actually so many different verticals that grew. And yes, I definitely think you should spend a little bit more time reflecting and celebrating how you did this. But I just love hearing about the way that your feelings in these rooms in terms of the assets that you have and recognizing the value that you were providing really shifted. I just think that's such an important lesson that so many nonprofits lose track of because we come from the scarcity mindset and we often don't think about just how much we have to offer. So you have come to a number of the group coaching calls. Can you tell folks a little bit about what those are like, what the community is like, and what element, because you've stayed in Power Partners past your first year, and Power Partners is actually switching. I've been so inspired by 
how many people, when I launched Power Partners, I was like, okay, this is a year program. And then a year passed and people were like, wait, I want to stay. I want to keep coming to the group coaching calls. We ended up creating this extension. And now we're actually going to be shifting Power Partners to a full membership option where they have to commit to the first year to start because I think commitment around community is really important. But then after that, it's just going to be an ongoing membership really inspired by so many of you who have stayed involved. So tell everyone a little bit about what the community has been like, what role that plays for you in all of this. Definitely a feeling of belonging and not being alone in a non-competitive sense. Mm. Um, That, yeah, I work remotely. I'm the only one in the office most of the time, and my team is out in the field. Um, And also, I'm the only one who really has my job description, who's doing this kind of work in the organization. Um, So it's just really nice to, yeah, feel a part of a team, even though we're all in our own, have our own separate goals. But we all have similar job descriptions, and we're all banging our head against the wall in certain places, and we're all celebrating some of the same things with wildly different missions and programs. But yeah, at the core, all kind of struggling with the same basic things of self-confidence and the energy that we bring into opportunities. And yeah, you're an amazing resource, but also so is everybody else in that room. So it's great to hear cool ideas. I'm always writing down, oh, I want to try that at the next fundraiser. I want to try that the next time I reach out to somebody. So yeah, it's just an incredible resource. Yeah, I think it's been a really important learning for me over the last few months and year, especially of like, when to take myself out of the way a little bit. I think when you create a program like this, I have felt an expectation of answering every question or always chiming in and really use those calls probably for the first year more as like rapid fire Q&A with just me and people observed and listened. And then I had this moment of there is so much wisdom in this Zoom room. And none of it has anything to do with me. And so how do I get out of the way and make sure folks are hearing from each other and learning from each other? And so it's been really awesome to watch that evolution of the community and then being able to introduce, even for folks who don't always come to group coaching calls, introduce you to another executive director who is doing similar work to you, but in another location. And just, I'm like, the person who can answer this. Ben. Ben knows this better than I do. And so can I introduce you to each other? I just, I love watching that happen. And I love going into those meetings, sometimes being like, I need to receive, I need Mm -hmm. to receive. And then in those meetings, being giving advice and it's like, okay, it's a nice reset also that it's like, I've got a lot to offer Mm -hmm. as well. It's not just, oh, I'm in crisis or I'm, what do I do about this? You get in there and someone has a question That's exactly, yeah, that you have an answer to. And also sometimes nobody has anything to say. And like that too. It's just like, look at us hanging out in a Zoom room and we're all doing it. And let's just take a breath for a second. And maybe, yeah, 15 seconds will go by and then someone will have a question. But yeah, I like those moments too. (laughs) We're just sitting there. Me too. It's nice. Like this non-rushed, just being together and people don't have to be on camera, but most people are. And I think they just really appreciate seeing each other, sitting with each other, cheering each other on. Yeah. I think it's been so cool to watch that. Okay. If I could add anything, if I could strengthen power partners in any way, if you could have any additional resources in there, what do you wish was inside the program that isn't? The first thing that pops into my head is that I haven't done the whole thing. 
So maybe I'll sideswipe that answer and say, <laughs> one of the things I love about Power Partners is that I've gotten so much out of it and I've probably done 20% of it. <laughs> so I don't want to say I'm looking for X, Y, and Z because I honestly haven't done the whole thing. And it's there's just so much material in there and it's presented in a way where it's take what works and if it doesn't resonate, don't take it. And maybe it'll resonate when you come back to it in a year. Yeah, maybe a table of contents so I can go through and see what I've done and I haven't done. <laughs> yes, we have that on the homepage, but I have another, I have a new tracker for you. I'm so glad you said that because I'll be honest, like as the creator of it, I think when I first created it, I really had a lot of hopes about completion, what I considered completion and what completion told me about impact, right? I was like, okay, if I'm monitoring how many people move through the whole course, that gives me a sense of how impactful the content has been. And then I hear story after story of people being like, I did phase one and I just was rolling so fast after that I never even went to phase two. I just was, the momentum was there and I was like, I'll come back when I need it. And I just kept going. And and then I think for other people, they really want the step-by-step in phase two, in phase three. And so it's there for them if they need it. But I just love hearing that because it's been a big reset for me and and created sort of intentionality around more check-ins with folks after phase one. And so I just, I'm really glad you shared that. Yeah. And I think it's for anyone listening, it's good to know that there's different ways to go yeah. through the course. And I think at the beginning, I felt guilty because I was like, oh, I didn't complete this thing. So I'm not going on to the next step. I think you said, that's okay. You're meant, you can jump around, you can do what works, you can take your time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's just so much gold in there that I have not even begun to finish mining. Yeah. You don't need to. Like, I think it's, that is a really hard thing that maybe I'll add a little like coaching segment in there about this, because I think a lot of people I've gone back and forth about, do I drip the content? Do I release everything at once? Because I've never wanted people to feel like there's so much I haven't done, quote unquote, haven't done. And when you can see it all, you can see what you haven't done, right? Because it's ahead of you. But I really want people to feel autonomy to bounce around. And so I have gone back and forth on that point for a long time. But maybe a coaching segment around however you move through this, which I just added, there's a 12 week guide that walks you through the hours and how to move through the course. And at the beginning, now there is a big banner that says, this is one version of a calendar. However you move through this course is wonderful. And so I just, yeah, I, for folks who are listening, who are thinking about joining, I really am glad they get to hear that perspective on things. Yeah. And everyone has a different level of bandwidth. And usually when people are introduced to you, they're usually at their wits end. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so knowing that they're like, I need a solution. I need a solution. And knowing that, yes, it can fit into whatever bandwidth you have. Or sometimes I'll be like in the formula, watching the videos, doing the worksheets, but mostly it's just like on my walk to work, popping in the headphones and listening to the podcast mm-hmm. and fitting it in where I can and just having some bit of reinforcement in that direction where, yeah, the day is back to back. I can't take the time for some professional development for myself. But then there are moments where it's like, oh my God, I've got three hours Mm. and I'm feeling inspired. Let me go and and dive through one of these worksheets and rewatch some of these videos. So cool. Is there anything I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? No, my brain doesn't work that way. (laughs) (laughs) 
grateful for this conversation and for your willingness to share and to get to celebrate your success publicly too. Everyone should go check out Broadway for Arts Education. It is incredible work that they're doing. Check out what they're doing on social media, which I'm obsessed with as well. And I'll make sure the links for that are below. I just think the work you're doing is so important and inspiring. And I also think for folks who are listening to this, who want to see more inclusive, community-centric ways of fundraising, of talking about the work that you do, of engaging people. I just think the work that you all are doing is so progressive and it's really inspiring to watch that filter into the way you talk about money moving into your organization. Thank you. And I'm excited to see how it changes 12 months from now Yes, (laughs) and another 12 months and another 12 months. (laughs) It's so exciting. Yeah. And just thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Really been my honor and such a privilege to get to work with you and to get to know you.